Everyplate.com. Make affordable crowd-pleasing meals at home. Choose from 14 delicious and affordable recipes that change every week. Everything you need is shipped to your door. Home-cooked delicious, ready in 30 minutes. Save time and skip tedious trips to the grocery store. Save money and enjoy tasty dinners that won't break the bank at only $4.99 per serving. Easy to cook recipes at only six simple steps and will turn you into a chef. And you can skip or cancel anytime. Some example of meals are sweet chili chicken, super smash burgers, balsamic glazed pork chops, Tuscan pork meatballs, crispy blue cheese, chicken, chicken sausage meatball soup, savory chicken and pepper stir fry, Cooking white sauce, spot breads, caramelized onion, meatloaf, loaded baked potato chowder, creamy chicken sausage penne, black bean and pepper jack tostadas, garlic, chili garlic shrimp, crispy chickpea couscous bowls, six chicken breasts, ground beef, and four chicken breasts. Just select recipes after signing up. Recommended, <coughs> recommended by 9,000 families. Break the cycle of boring. Good morning, here's chapter 18 of Laura Ingalls Wilder's The Long Winter, titled Merry Christmas. The blizzard stopped at last. After three days of a ceaseless noise, the stillest rang in Laura's ears. Paul hurried away to get a load of hay, and when he came back, he put David in the stable. The sun was now still floating on the snow. There was no cloud in the northwest, and Laura wanted, wondered why he stopped hauling hay. What's wrong, Charles Ma asked quietly when Paul came in. Paul answered, Gilbert made it to... Preston and back, he's brought the mail. It was as if Christmas had happened unexpectedly. Ma hoped for the church paper. Lauren, Mary, and Carrie hoped that Robin Alden had sent them something to read. Sometimes he did. Grace was excited because they were excited. It was hard to wait for Paul to come back from the post office. He was gone a long time. As Ma said, it did no good to be impatient. Every man in town was at the post office and Ma must wait his turn. When at last he came, his hands were full. Ma eager, reached eagerly for the church papers, and Laura and Carrie both tried to take the bundle of used companions. There were newspapers too. Here, here, Pa laughed. Don't mob a fellow. And that's not the whole of it. Guess what I got? A letter. Oh, Pa, did you get a letter? Laura cried. Who is it from? Ma asked. You got the advances, Carolyn, Pa replied, and Laura and Carrie got the used companions. I've got the inner location and the Pioneer Press. Mary gets the letter. Mary's face shone. She felt the letter's size and thickness. A big fat letter. Please read it, Ma. So Ma opened the letter and read it aloud. The letter was from Reverend Alden. He was sorry that he had not been able to come back and help organize the church last spring, but he had been sent farther north. He hoped to be with them when spring came again. The children of the Sunday school in Minnesota were sending a bundle of youth companions to the girls and would send another bundle next year. His church had shipped them a Christmas barrel and <coughs> he hoped the clothing would fit. And as his own Christmas gifts and some slight return for their hospitality to him and to Reverend Stewart last winter at Silver Lake, he had put in a Christmas turkey. He wished them all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. There was a little silence when Ma had finished reading. Then he said, we have this good letter anyway. Gilbert brought word that they're putting on a double work crew and two snowplows at the Tracy Cut. Pa told him. 
You may get the barrel of Christmas. It's only a few days, Paul said. A lot can be done in a few days, said Paul. If this spell of clear weather holds up, no reason they can't get the train through. Oh, I hope the Christmas barrel comes, Prayer said. The hotels have shut down, Paul said. Paul told Ma the news. They've been burning lumber, and now Banker Ruth has brought out the lumber yard down to the last shingle. We wouldn't afford to burn lumber anyway. We couldn't afford to burn lumber anyway, said Ma, but Charles, we are almost out of coal. We'll burn hay, Pa answered cheerfully. Hey, Ma said, and Laura asked, how can we burn hay, Pa? She thought of how quickly the prairie fire swept through the grass. Flame blitz through the light, thin stems, and is gone before the frail ashes can fall. How could a room be warm, be kept warm by a fire so quickly burning out, and even when even the steady glow of hard coal could not keep up the coal? We will have to contrive, Pa told her. We'll manage it. Needs must be, needs must when the devil thrives. Needs must when the devil drives. Likely the train will get through in time, Ma said. Pa put on his cap again and asked Ma to make dinner a little late. He had time to haul another load of hay if he hustled. He went out and Ma said, Come, girls, put the bundle of news companions away. We must get out the washing while the weather's clear so we, so we can. All that day, Laura, Carrie, and Mary looked forward to the youth companions. Often they spoke of them. The bright day, but the bright day was short. They stirred and punched the cold bomb blowing on the stove. They lifted them out. They lifted on the broom handle in the tub where moss soaked and rubbed them. Laura rinsed them. Carrie stirred the blowing bag and the second rinse water until it was blue enough. Laura made the boiled starch, and then and when the last time Ma went out into the cold to hang. The freezing wash on the lawn Paul had come for dinner. Then they washed the dishes, they scrubbed the floor and waxed the stove and washed the inside of the window pane. Ma brought in the frozen dry clothes and they sorted them and sprinkled them and rolled them tightly, ready for ironing. Twilight had come, it was too late to read that day after and after supper there was no lamplight because they must save the last of the kerosene. Work comes before pleasure, Ma always said. She smelled her, she smelled her gentle smile for Laura and Carrie, and now and said, "Now my girls have, have helped me do a good day's work, and they were rewarded." Tomorrow we'll read the story, Carrie said happily. Well, we have to do ironing, Laura reminded her. Yes, and we should air the bedding and give the upstairs a thorough cleaning in this good weather, said Ma. Pa came in and heard them. Tomorrow I'm going to work on the railroad, he said. Mr. Woodwood had put had work to put at the work on the track all the men he could get. The superintendent at the Tracy Cut was driving the work there and shovel gangs were shoveling eastward from here on. If Russell Wilbur can do it, we'll have a train through by Christmas, Pa declared. That night he came back from work with a broad, broad smile on his red, sun red face. Good news, he called out. The work train will come through tomorrow, sometime tomorrow. The railroad train will come next day. After tomorrow, probably. Oh, good, good, goody, Laura said. Laura and Carrie exclaimed together, and Ma said, That is good news, indeed. What is wrong with your eyes, Charles? His eyes are red and puffed. He answered cheerfully, Shoveling snow in the sunshine is hard on eyes. Some of the men were our snowboard. Fix me up a little weak salt water, will you, Carolyn? And I'll bathe them after I do the chores. When he had gone to the stable, Ma dropped into the chain near Mary. 
Miles dropped into a chair near Mary. A chair near Mary. I'm afraid, girls, this will be a poor Christmas, she said. What with these awful storms and trying to keep warm, we've had no time to plan for it. Maybe the Christmas girl, Carol began. We mustn't count on it, said Mary. We could wait for Christmas till it comes, Laura suggested. All but, and she picked up Grace, who listened wide-eyed. Can't Santa Claus come, Grace asked, and her lower lip began to tremble. Laura hugged her and looked over her golden head at Ma. Ma said from Santa Claus always comes to good little girls, Grace. But girls, she went on, I have an idea. What do you think of saving my church papers and your bundle of youth companions to open on Christmas Day? After a moment, Mary said, I think it is a good idea. It will help us to learn self-denial. I don't want to, Laura said. Nobody does, said Mary, but it's good for us. Sometimes Laura did not even want to be good, but after another silent moment, she said, Well, if you and Mary want to, well, I will. It will give us something to look forward to for Christmas. What do you say about it, Carrie? Ma asked, and it's a small voice. And a small voice, Carrie said, I will too, Ma. That's my good girl, Ma approved them. She went on. We can find a little something in the stores for and she glanced at Grace. But you older girls know. Pa hasn't been able to get any work for wages this year. We can't spare money for presents, but we can have a happy Christmas just the same. I'll try to contrive something extra for dinner and then we'll all open our papers and read them, and when it's too dark to read, Pa will play the fiddle. We haven't much flour left, Ma, Laura said. The storekeepers are asking twenty-five cents a pound for flour, so Pa's waiting for the train. Ma replied, there's nothing to make pie anyway, and no butter or eggs for a cake, and no more sugar in town, but we'll think of something for Christmas dinner. Laura sat thinking. She was making a little picture frame of cross-stitch and wood in wool on thin silver-colored cardboard up the sides, and across the top she had made a pattern small blue flowers and green leaves. Now she was outlining the picture opening in blue. While she put the tiny needle through the perforations in the cardboard and drew the fine colored wool carefully after it, she was thinking how wistfully Carrie had looked at the beautiful thing. She decided to give it to Carrie for Christmas. Someday, perhaps she could make another for herself. How fortunate it was that she could, that she had finished knitting the lace for her petticoat. She would give that to Mary and to Ma. She would give the cardboard hair receiver that she had already embroidered to match the picture frame. Ma could hang it on the corner of her looking glass, and when she combed her hair, she would put the combing in it to use later in the dress which she was making. But what can we do for Pa? she asked. I declare I don't know, Ma Ward. I can't think of a thing. I've got some pennies, Carrie said. There's my college pretty Mary began, but Ma said, No, Mary, we won't touch that. I have ten cents, Laura said thoughtfully. How many pennies do you have you, Carrie? I have five, Carrie told her. We need we need twenty-five to get to get Pa a pair of suspenders, Laura said. He needs a new pair. I have a dime, said Ma. So it is so that is settled, Laura. You and Carrie had better go and buy them as soon as Pa has gone to work tomorrow morning. Next day when their morning work was done, Laura and Carrie crossed the snowy street to Mr. Hawthorne's store. Mr. Harson was there alone and the shelves were bare. On both long walls there were only a few pairs of men boots and women's shoes and some bolts of calico. The bean barrel was empty, the cracker barrel was empty, the little pond and the bottom of the pork barrel had no pork in it. The long flat codfish box held only a little salt 
It is on its bottom. The dried apple box and the dried blackberry box were empty. I'm sold out of groceries till the train gets here, Mr. Hollywood said. I was expecting a bill of groceries when the train stopped. Some pretty hand handkerchiefs, combs, and hairpins, and two pairs of suspenders were in the showcase. No one cared about the suspenders. They were full, plain, dull gray. Shall I do them up for you, Mr. Hawthorne asked. Laura did not like to say no, but she looked at Carrie and saw that Carrie hoped she would. No thank, no thank you, Mr. Hawthorne said. We will not take, we will not take them now. Out in the glittering cold again, she said to Carrie. Let's go to lots of stores see if we can't find prettier ones. They bent their heads against the strong cold wind and struggled along the icy path on the store porch until they reached the other dry goods and the groceries. That store was bare and echoing too. Every barrel and box was empty, and where the canned goods and beans had been, there were only two flat cans of oysters. I'm expecting a stock of groceries when the train comes tomorrow, Mr. Loftus told them. I, it won't get here any too. It won't get here any too soon either. In its showcase was a pair of blue suspenders with small white flowers, beautifully matched, beautifully machine woven along them, and brass and bright brass buckles. Laura had never seen such pretty suspenders. They were just right for Pa. How much are they? She asked. Almost sure they, that they would cost too much, but the price was 25 cents. Laura gave Mrs. Lowe's her own two five cent pieces, carries five pennies, and Ma's thin silver ten, ten cent piece. She took the slim package, and the wind blew her and carried breathlessly home. At the bedtime that night, no one spoke of hanging up stockings. Carrie was too young to know about hanging stockings on Christmas Eve, and no one else expected the present. But they, but they had never been so eager for Christmas Day because the tracks were clear now, and the train would come tomorrow. Laura's first thought in the morning was, "The first train is coming today." The window was not frosted. The sky was clear. The snowy prairie was turning rosy in early sunshine. The train would surely come, and joyfully Laura thought about her Christmas surprises. She slid out of bed without waking Mary and quickly opened, quickly pulled on the dress and the coat. She opened the box where she kept her own things. She took out the roll of knitted clothes already wrapped carefully in tissue paper. Then she found the prettiest card she had ever been given in Sunday school, and she took the little embroidered picture frame and the cardboard hair receiver. With these in her hands, she hurried tiptoed downstairs. Ma looked up in surprise. The table was set, and Ma was putting. On each plate, a little package red, wrapped in a red and white striped paper. Merry Christmas, Ma, Laura whispered. Oh, what are they? Christmas present, Ma whispered. Whatever have you got there? Laura only smiled. She put her package in Ma's plate and married, and then, then she slipped the, car- the Sunday school card into the embroidered frame for Carrie. She whispered. For Carrie, she whispered. She looked, and Ma looked at it. It was beautiful. Then Ma found a piece of tissue paper to wrap it in. Carrie and Grace and Mary were already climbing down the stairs calling, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Ooh, Carrie squealed. I thought we were waiting for Christmas till the Christmas bell came on the train. Ooh, look, look. What is it, Mary asked. There are presents at every plate on the table, Carrie told her. No, no, Grace, mustn't touch, Ma said. We will all wait for Pa, so Grace ran around the table looking but not touching. Pa came with the mill and Ma stranded. Then Pa stepped into the lean-to and came back grinning broadly. He handed Ma the two cans of oysters from Lost's store. Charles, Ma said, make us an oyster soup for Christmas dinner. Carolyn, Pa told her, I, I got some milk from Ellen. Not so much, but it's the last. 
She's as good as dry, but maybe you can make it do. I'll thin it out with water, Ma, said Ma. We'll have orchard soup for Christmas dinner. Then Pa Then Pa saw the table. Laura and Carrie laughed at a little, laughed a loud shouting. <coughs> Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Pa, and Laura told Mary. Pa surprised. Hurrah for Kraft Santa Claus, Pa, saying that the old fellow made it in if the drain didn't. <coughs> they all sat down at their places and Ma gently held back Grace's hand. Pa opened his purse, Grace said. Grace, she said. I'll pick this up. Now, what can this be? And who gave it to me? <coughs> he untied the string, unfolded the paper, and held up the new red flowered suspenders. We were excited. Somehow, am I ever going to wear my coat? These are too fine to cover up. He looked all around at all the faces. All of you did this, he said. Well, I'll be proud to wear them. Not yet, Grace Ma said. Mary is next. Mary unwrapped the yards of fine knitted lace. She fingered it lovingly and her face was shining with delight. I'll save it to wear when I go to college, she said. It's another thing to help me to go. It will be so pretty on a white petticoat. Carrie was looking at her present. The picture was of the good shepherd in his blue and white robes, holding in his arms a snow white lamb. The silver cardboard <coughs> embroidered in blue flowers made a perfect frame for it. Oh, how lovely, how lovely, Carrie whispered. Ma said the hair of Sue was just what she had been needing. Then Grace tore the paper from her gifts and gave a giggle, gurgle of joy. Two little flat wooden men stood on a platform between two flat red posts. Their hands held on two strings, twisted tightly together above their heads. They, wrote, they wore peaked red caps and blue coats and, with gold buttons. Their trousers were red and Green stripes, their boots were black and with turned up toes. Ma gently pressed the buttons of the post inward. One of the men somersaulted up and the other swung into his place. Then the first came down while the second went up and they nodded their heads and jerked their arms and swung their legs dancing and somersaulting. Oh look, oh look, Grace shouted. She could never have enough of watching the funny little men dancing. The small striped badges at each place held Christmas candy. Wherever did you get candy? <coughs> Pa Laura wondered. I got it some time ago. It was the last bit of sugar in town, said Pa. Some folks said they'd use it for sugar, but I made sure our Christmas I made sure of our Christmas candy. Oh what a lovely Christmas carrier sight. Laura thought so too. Whatever happened they whatever happened they could always have a Merry Christmas and the sun was shining, the sky was blue, the rail track was clear, and the train was coming. The train had come through the trees had cut that morning. Sometime that day they would hear its whistle and see it stop by this depot. At noon, Ma was making the orchard soup. Laura was setting the table. Carrie and Grace were playing with the jumping jacks. Ma tasted the soup and set the kettle back on the stove. The oysters are ready, she said, and stooping, she looked at the slices of bread toasting in the oven. And the bread is toasted. Whatever is Pa doing? He's bringing in hay, said Laura. Pa opened the door. Behind him was... The lean-to was almost full of slew hay. He asked, "Where is the orchard soup ready? I'm taking it up, Ma replied. I'm glad the train is coming. This is what the last of the coal. Then he looked at Ma and asked, What is wrong, Charles? Ma said, There is a cloud in the northwest. Oh, not another blizzard, Ma cried. I'm afraid so, Pa answered. But it needs to spoil our dinner. 
He drew his chair up to the table. I packed plenty of hay into the stable and filled the lean-to. Now for our oyster soup. The sun kept on shining while they ate. <coughs> the hot soup was good, even though the milk was mostly water. Ma crumbled the toast into a soup plate. This toast, this toasted bread is every bit as good as crackers. He told Ma. I don't know how. I don't know, but better. Laura enjoyed the good soup, but she could not stop thinking of that dark cloud coming up. She could not stop think, listening for the wind that she knew would, be, would soon come. It came with a shriek. The windows rattled and the house shook. She must be a daisy, Pa said. He went to the window, but he could not see out. Snow came on the wind from the sky. Snow rose from the hard drifts as the wind cut them away. It all met in the whirling air. World matter. The sky was sun. The sky, the sunshine, the town were gone. Lost in that blinding dance of snow, the house was alone again. Laura thought, "The train can't come now." Come, girls, Ma said. We'll get these dishes out of the way, and then we'll open our papers and have a cozy afternoon. Is there cold enough, Ma? Laura asked. I'll look at the fire. It will last till supper time, he said. Then they'll burn hay. Ross was freezing up with window panes, and the room was cold near the walls. Near the stove, the light was too dim for reading. When dishes were washed and put away, Ma set the lamp on the red check tablecloth and lighted it. There was only a little kerosene in the bowl where the wick coiled, but it gave a warm and cheery light. Laura opened the bundle of youth companions, and she and Carrie looked eagerly at the wealth of stories printed on the smooth white paper. You girls choose just a story, Ma said, and I will read it aloud so we can all enjoy it together. So close together between the stove and the bright table, they listened to Ma's reading the story in a soft, clear voice. The story took them all far away from the stormy cold and dark. When she had finished that one, Ma read a second and a third. That was enough for one day. They must save some for for another time. Aren't you glad we saved those wonderful stories for Christmas Day? Mary sighed happily, and they were. The whole afternoon had gone so quickly, already it was chore time. When Pa came back from the stable, he stayed some time in the lean-to and came in, the last, came in at last with his armful of haste, uh, armful, armful of sticks. Here's your breakfast field, Caroline, he said, laying his armful down by the stove. Good hard sticks of hay. I guess they will burn all right. Sticks of hay, Laura. Then that's right, Laura. Paul spread his hands in the warmth above the stove. I'm glad that hay's in the lean-to. I couldn't carry it through the wind that's blowing now, unless I brought it one bale at a time in my teeth. The hay was in sticks, Paul said, somehow twisted and knotted it tightly, till each stick was almost as hard as wood. Sticks of hay, Ma laughed. What won't you think of next? I trust your child to find a way. You are good at that yourself, Paul smiled at her. For supper there was hot boiled potatoes, a slice of bread, a piece with salt. That was the last picking of bread, but there were still beans in the sack and a few turnips. There was still hot tea with sugar and grace, and a cup of cambric tea made with hot water because there was no more milk. While they were eating, the lamp began to flicker with all its night might. The flame built the flame pulled itself up, trying the last bit of kerosene up the wick. Then it faded down and desperately tried again. Ma leaned up and blew it out. The dark cloud the dark came in. Loud with the with the roar and the shrieking of the storm, the fire is dying 
Anyways, we may as well go to bed. Ma said gently. Christmas Day was over. Laura lay in bed and listened to the wind blowing louder and louder. It sounded like the pack of wolves howling around the little, hay, little house on the prairie long ago when she was small and Paul had carried her in his arms. And there was a deeper howl of the great buffalo wolf that she and Carrie had met on the bank of Summer Lake. She started trembling when she heard the scream of the panther in the creek bed in Indian territory, but she knew it was only the wind. Now she heard the Indian war whoops when the Indians were dancing their war dances all through the horrible nights by the Verdigree River. The war whoops died away and she heard crowds of people muttering and shrieking and fleeing, screaming away from fierce yells chasing them, but she knew she heard only the voices of the blizzard wind. She pulled the bedclothes over her head and covered her ears tightly to shut out the clouds, but still she heard them. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Have a Good Week and have a Happy Thanksgiving.